Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Launching a book isn't easy, but it can also launch you into a whole new life. What's important now is that I am a best-selling author and that's awesome. I found my soul on this journey. I found my purpose, you know, in life. In this show, I talk to authors about how they launched and how it took them to the next level. Welcome to episode 310 of Launchpad Podcast. Uh, It is a podcast where I talk to authors about the way their books have changed their lives and how they launched them. I have a literal queen today. Yeah, she wrote the book, The Audacity to Be Queen. Her whole business is built around how to show women how to be queens in their own lives. And nobody is more queenly than this fabulous woman. What's very interesting about this episode, like a previous episode with Jen Gotch, is this wonderful woman, Gina DeVee, her book was scheduled to come out and did come out right when crazy time hit. So a huge world tour had to be postponed. All the plans had to be changed. But she talks about how really the quote-unquote pivot she had to make, it's not unlike a pivot anybody has to make when their book comes out and things don't go as planned because that's kind of what goes on at a launch. So she does give some practical ideas, including uh, embedding a course into your book. And speaking of that, you can get her free course. She decided one of those pivots she made, she decided to make the course free. So if you go and grab the show notes, there is a link where you can get that course for free. Just go to launchpadpub.com slash blog slash Gina. That's launchpadpub.com slash blog slash Gina. You will also get the show notes and links to the show and links to her book. And with that, I give you the very queenly Gina DeVee. So I do think it's important to start off with this, this, this point that we were so psychically aligned that I said, I wrote down, I'm going to reach out to Gina about doing my podcast. And then you reached out to me. So, um, I must say from the moment I met you, you are just one of the most delightful, warm people I have ever met. Oh, thank you so much, Anna. That's such a joy to hear because the feeling was very mutual, obviously. Yeah, we fell in love a little bit mm-hmm. um, at, at Soho House of all places. So, mm-hmm. so okay, and, and that night we talked about your book. You were very much in the writing stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it came out, I think it was March 9th? 3rd. March 3rd. <laughs> and I believe it was March 13th that we were told to stay in our homes. Yes. So tell me what that experience was like, what plans you had that you had to change. 
Sure. So I've waited 20 years to write and publish my first book that was published March 3rd of 2020 and had a global book tour planned. Um, it started in New York, it then went off to Miami, and then it was going all throughout the US, Australia, UK, Europe, etc. Uh, and then Middle East. Like I was like, I had it planned. And um, at first I was in complete denial and thought everyone was being a hypochondriac because, you know, at first it was just like as the news would start to get linked, it leaked out. It was like just people that have a low immune system. I'm like, well, I don't, I'm good. Uh, you know, and then we, you know, we started to all be educated together as a globe on, on what this was about and the responsibility that we all had to stay at home. And, you know, so much of the premise of my book is it's happening for you, not to you. It was not my intention to have to practice what I preach quite so soon. Um, but I really, you know, so I was literally, I was in Miami. I had an event March 9th and 10th. And then I was, got on a plane to get back to LA to then be quarantined. And from that, from that date, everything got, I'm not going to use the word canceled because I think words are important. I'm, it is postponed because I have every intention of resuming um, once it's safe to do so. And I really had to have the mindset, like I felt this like cloud of sadness coming at me, like it was this exterior entity that was about to overtake me. And I just, I thought, you know, my, my book is called The Audacity to Be Queen. So it's like, well, I have a queen opportunity to make a queenly decision here. And I can choose to be sad. I can choose to be miserable. I can choose to be a victim or I can choose to be a queen. And really, what does it look like to be a queen when like, the biggest dream of my life looked like it just got canceled? And so um, I have this exercise in my book that says, I'm thrilled this is happening because dot, dot, dot. And it's intended to be used on like, the, the darkest, most horrible circumstances. <laughs> so I got to use my own exercise. And I was like, okay, so rather than choosing sadness, I'm like, okay, I'm thrilled this is happening because, and, I, and I was like, I'm like, okay, I'm thrilled my book came out during the global pandemic because, um, and I was like, well, okay, uh, I can start doing podcasts and, and do a virtual book tour. Like that part of the tour had actually not been planned because I had, was so heavily focused on in-person. Okay, I'm thrilled this is happening because like, well, I don't just want people to buy the book. So, you know, I make a bunch of money or get a, a bestseller status. I, I want people to consume my book. I wrote it so for people to actually read it. So like, when do people have more time to read than when they are required to stay at home? Like, okay, this is good. I'm thrilled this is happening because, uh, you know, I had, I was going to be flying all over the United States and internationally to do media. And now I'm literally, I'm doing morning show after morning show and talk show and all the things from the comfort of my own home. Like all the media went virtual. So I'm like, this, this is like, this is awesome. Actually, so I've been calling my publicist. I'm like, what's going on with Vegas, Chicago, DC? Because I am here with my coffee. Um, so, you know, when you really take a look at um, what are the opportunities that we have access to for our book launches. It's, it's immense. Um, other things like so many of my friends um, have their own followings and groups. I've been doing IG lives, takeovers, speaking to other people's mastermind groups that none of that was planned. And I'm having a blast doing so. Right. Yeah. I mean, I do think, and then it can just, the book can discover a new audience can discover the book once the tour does happen. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, you know, to get your book out in the world, all of it needs to happen anyways. So what does it matter what order it comes in? You know, some people consume podcasts, some people go to in-person events, other people watching media. So, um, you know, it, it was just an unplanned order as now I've come to see it and there's nothing to be sad about. And one could certainly argue that your message is all the more important as a result of what's happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. People are panicked. They're in crisis. They need positive programming. Um, I did, something else that I recommend for anyone else launching a book, I didn't have this planned. Um, so I had a companion course planned um, to go along with my book that I was going to sell for purchase. I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. And so when all this happened, like a real really got how much people were needing leadership and needed something positive to hold on to. And it was actually my husband's idea. He said, you know, we've got this audacity to be queen companion course. What if we just give it to the community for free? And we're like, literally we're like ready to launch. And all we did was just take the shopping cart buttons off. And it was, it has been such a, like, I mean, I like free stuff too, but like apparently my people really like free. Like there's been such a like, oh my God, thank you. This is amazing. And like, you know, we've got thousands of women in this program and Facebook group, like from around the world that are just like super high vibing together and are like super ambassadors for the book. Like I would, if I, I, I will, would plan that in the future to do a companion course for free because of just how meaningful it has been to the community and just, you know, you know, goodwill, like I'm not keeping track, but these women, they're reading the book, they're Instagramming it, they're telling their people about it. And so um, it was just such a genuine act of goodwill, but it's, you know, it's uh, the universe has eyes and I, I know more people are buying the book as a result. So the free companion course was a stroke of genius on my husband's behalf. And what are some other strokes of genius that either you or he or someone else came up with? What are your launch tips, whether one's in the midst of a global pandemic or not? Mm-hmm. Um, that is a great question. So I, for me, and, and you know, launching a, birthing a book is probably like birthing a child. Sorry, mothers, to compare my book to your human. But for me, um, that's very much what it was. And, you know, you he- you're going to hear what I'm about to say all the time. And, but I didn't follow it. it. Anyways, my whole point is your experience could be completely different. Everyone's, I think, birthing process is different. I had a lot of people around me in a whole bunch of different varieties um, that I thought knew better. They were industry professionals from a whole variety of different camps that said they were going to do things and I should do things this way or not do this and that and, and all the rest. And, you know, I'm a very experienced businesswoman, marketer. I know, I know how to launch. I know events. But somehow because this was a book, I let myself believe more, more than I should have. And um, that's my own work to do on this, that these people knew better. That because I was a new author, that these people know, quote unquote, how it's done, that they knew better, that I should follow their lead, turn my power over and not do certain things that I would have had in the pipeline and works. And then when launch day came, that stuff was not in place. And so um, out of respect to the people in the industry, I'm going to let the specifics remain nameless and faceless for the moment. Um, but I think the concept really is take complete 
responsibility and complete charge of your own book launch. Do not think that anyone else knows better. Um, I will tell you that the, the publishing industry, as amazing as it is in so many ways, is so behind in every aspect of marketing. It is mind-boggling. And I, I, I love my publisher. I've had a great experience with my publisher. Um, this is just the industry in gener general. It is amazing how disorganized, how uncommunicative. Um, and I'm not here to say this in a negative way. I want to really frame this in the positive that you don't have to think that there's all this stuff in this like well-oiled machine that totally knows what it's doing. It doesn't. Um, that was not my experience. And it's pretty much been the experience of everyone I've talked to. So uh, it's just a lesson to yourself that you have a book to birth in the world and you get to make this whatever you desire it to be. So get creative, get out of the box. Um, there is not one way to do this. There's not a right way to do this. And no one is going to protect your baby or care about your baby more than you. So you better take full responsibility. Yeah. Amen. Mm -hmm. You know, I did six books with Harper Collins where it was just banging my head against the wall thinking this time will be different. And whenever mm -hmm. you're thinking this time will be different, you're in trouble. Uh, but it is terribly bizarre. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think a lot of people get into publishing for love of words and they are radically underpaid. And I do mm -hmm. think as a woman who understands what it's like to step into making the amount of money you deserve, you know, however much you love words, you are not going to be, when you are scraping by in New York on $30,000 a year, you are probably not going to have that energy to put into, you know, your passion projects, whatever they are. And it doesn't, publishing doesn't do a lot of research. It, it is really, it is really shocking, the, you know, and, and really what the publishing industry does is it waits to see what books will hit and then it puts all its energy and resources behind it. Totally, totally. And all the, the, the promises of we're going to do this and zero of them happened. Um, but just even like the disorganization, like here's like a, a happy sort of eye roll. I found out that my book was in Walmart, Canada, because some, some a follower of someone else's book who was next to mine took a picture and said, I'm so happy for my friend so-and-so and happened just to tag me. And that's how I found out. And so I call my people and I was like, uh, hey, is this, oh, by the way, it was before the pub date also, <laughs> like in store. I was like, is this true? Is this like, you know, a duplicate from India? Like what, what's going on here? Um, so, you know, it's um, another fun, I, I'm in a thousand uh, Target stores. So super excited about that. Like, Anyways, the, um, all of this to say, you know, create great relationships, be a professional, um, be in charge of everything that you can be in charge of. And you have to surrender the things that, that just are out of your hands from information to marketing, to publicity, et cetera. Yeah. And what we were talking about before I pressed record was how, even if there is not a global pandemic going on, something usually, it's like a webinar, something happens that's not good <laughs> that you're not expecting. And you could say everything goes wrong. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I told you my first book, my publisher was fired in the biggest scandal to ever hit oh. publishing and her division was torn apart. 
Um, and you know, people talk about that, that, that their, their books were orphaned because the editor went to another house, which happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I always say, it's like the, 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 I was orphaned and then the orphanage was burned to the ground. (laughs) So, so it's, you know, in terms of a, you know, quote unquote pivot, when things go wrong, what have you experienced that you think any person launching a book could use? So, yeah, I mean, I, I had a client tell me she got a cancer diagnosis right before her book came out. I know other women are like literally giving birth, like they didn't know they you know, they got pregnant while they were in their book writing process. Um, I, I know others who've had their marriage fall apart, like, you know, w- when they're about to make their biggest debut. So, I, you know, I just come from a spiritual inclination and I just cannot, be, I don't believe that anything bad is happening to us. I think that for whatever each of our soul's journey is on, that it is all happening for us, not to us, that probably there is whatever message in your book you're writing about, you are going to get the opportunity to walk that talk. That was my experience. Like this was going to, what I, I kind of thought I had done the work, you know, like for the past 20 years, I got the lessons and now I'm writing the book. And like, not that I thought I was like, you know, an enlightened Jedi master, but I wasn't realizing that I was going to have to dig deep into my guts and practice queenhood from such a core level so quickly. And so, and I I know other people that have written money books, like a bunch of money stuff would come up right when they've like written Mm. their books. So I think it's probably (laughs) be careful what you're writing about, because (laughs) that is going to be what you're likely going to need to walk your talk on, which isn't bad. It's about, I think it's just about developing us more, deepening us more. And, you know, there's a meaning for everything that we're going through. Yes. Yeah, so it's like the, the, the tip is uh, it, welcome the lesson that will inevitably come uh, about your book topic because, for, you know, fighting it is only going to make you miserable. A hundred percent. A hundred. My friend Jen Sincero, who wrote You Are Bad, like she, I remember she was really challenged. Like she had to become her own badass during her first launch. So I do think it's very tied to your message. Well, and okay, so about Jen, you know, and she mm-hmm. did dedicate You Are a Badass to you, correct? The second book, You Are a Badass at Making Money. Yes. You Are a Badass at Making Money. And, you know, in You Are a Badass, which I, I, how, how many copies has that sold now? Like 50 million? Do you know? <laughs> I, I'm serious. I don't know. It's in the millions. I, what, sure. I, I do know that uh, as, at the time of our conversation, she's been on the bestseller list for four years. She just celebrated her four year anniversary. That much I know. So, and so, you know, she is a very great example, just like Elizabeth Gilbert, of somebody who it was not her first book. She was not an overnight sensation. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, and this book hit and it hit like crazy. What, Mm -hmm. what advice uh, did she give you? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that it was advice per, I mean, she's given me lots of great advice over just my own, um, the uh, the publishing process. I think that, you know, when I didn't understand like the different timelines, like what draft and this, and then there's copy and line edit, like, you know, some of that whole negotiation, she was just uh, a real beautiful support to me there. I think one of the things that in watching her journey, I think it took about three years for Badass, the first book to hit 
the bestseller list. And so I did take a lot of comfort. You know, like everybody wants to pop out as a New York Times number one bestseller in their first week and the whole thing. Um, And when I realized that wasn't going to be happening for me, you know, I was just really able to exhale because I think that some of the old rules of publishing that if you don't hit it in your first week, you're not going to hit it clearly isn't true. And Jen's been just such an amazing example of that, that, oh, oh, here's the piece of advice she did give me on this. She said, the reason why she believes badass, other than it being a great book, um, has taken off to the way to the leagues that it did was because it was through word of mouth referral. She calls it the yellow snowball. And she said, and I remember when I was writing it, I was like, I need more time to refine my jokes. And she's like, you know, Gina, you know, fight for, fight for an extension or whatever, because she said, that's what's going to make the difference between people reading your book and liking it or telling their friends, you've got to get this book. And so, um, you know, I can, I can, feel where mine is similar, like where it's a, it's a bit of a slow burn that will turn into a blaze. Cause it's like, it's to the groups and communities it's gotten out there. It's like, there's like uh, this, Oh my gosh, I read it in two days. It's changed my life, you know, and then they're starting to tell their friends and I'm seeing it on Instagram. So it was very comforting that like, because it didn't make bestseller status in the first week doesn't mean it's not coming. Yeah. I mean, I do think people get very focused on the launch and get very focused on getting on the New York Times list. And it, it has changed so much. It's so it's about the life of the book. It's not about mm-hmm. the week of the launch. Um, you know, what I think is also really interesting about you and your book is it's, you know, this whole marketing notion of the riches are in the niches. Mm-hmm. You know your audience. You Mm -hmm. are not concerned with uh, men reading this book. You are very clear on who your audience is. And I know Mm -hmm. that the the two things I have seen over and over again are are what you just said, uh, books books hit because of word of mouth. All the books that I have read in the past, however long, are either written by somebody I know or or follow or uh, somebody I trust told me. And that mm-hmm. is how you hit. I always used to say, uh, you know, you, you have a hit book when people, when non-readers are reading your book because they feel dumb at a cocktail party not knowing <laughs> what your book is. <laughs> That's uh, it's true. It's true. But the other way, and the way you do that is you conquer a niche or a niche and they are your converts. And then you have a whole group of mini yous going out and, and, and being your, you know, advocates. So, <laughs> so let's talk about that. You know, you, you discovered who your audience was by 20 years of serving that audience, correct? Correct. What do you have to say about really honing in on who your audience is when you write a book? You know, this is one of the pieces that probably almost took the most courage for me because, you know, there's something that felt different about putting words on a page that can't get edited. Like I'm used to online internet marketing and I was like, ah, I'll put this out there and if I don't I'll take it down or delete it. You know, like it, it, it felt more, um, like I had to really commit to the words I was putting on the page. That was number one. And then two is I... I know about niching down online, but for some reason I wanted to go more broad with my book and 
I saw how it just, it watered it down. And I think that for me, and this was just my own personal edge, for me to really write about what I wanted to write about and give the examples that lit me up, they were so niched and so specific. Um, I mean, I, I wrote and I, and stories, personal stories that I shared, like I, sh- I shared a story about like a $20,000 shopping spree that I went on in the Isle of Capri. And I was like, I, and then I was like, Gina, you, you got you gotta delete, you gotta at least not put the number in. You're gonna have the mommy bloggers hating you. You're like, you know, like people are gonna like just chastise you for that. And and then I was like, but I thought about my former self and like the like the former me would have been so lit up to even know that was possible and like to have some woman writing about it would have changed my life. So I had to really take my own personal risks. And then interestingly enough, of course. You know, it's like when you share the most vulnerable stuff, like is it like what you think is the most vulnerable? It's like what everyone else just falls in love with you for so much more, whether it's their thing or not. And then like, what am I getting the most DMs about? Like women right. who are you like telling about the $20,000 uh, free story. So, you know, I would say that um, we, you know, the generalists have been done. We don't live in the age of generalists anymore. And if, you everybody wants to stand out with their writing and the more specific you are and the more you know yourself and your audience and the more risks you take in that direction the i think the more i don't think you'll be more successful very likely but at least you'll be more interesting which is the way to become more successful well and on that note because uh i would say the majority of writers do not do not come from a place of abundance. And, and I relate to your journey, you know, even in in the introduction to your book, you, you write about struggling financially for many Mm -hmm. years and kind of knowing in your heart that that wasn't who you were. Um, I, I know for me, I, I accepted that I was a writer and that I really wouldn't make money and that that was good. That was noble. That was honorable. And I, you know, I, I basically kind of feel like, the equivalent of the lawyer who has the midlife crisis and is like, I really want to be a writer. I was the writer who had the midlife crisis and said, there's nothing wrong with making money. I (laughs) want to use my talent with words in a different way. So what would you say to writers who say, well, well, you know, I really want to be a writer, but there's no way to make money at that. I mean, I plan on making a lot of money with this book. Um, it's not why I wrote the book, but I have seen too many of examples of women, very talented women, just like me that I chose to not put myself in a different category on, you know, Jen's made a lot of money with her book. Gabby Bernstein has made a lot of money with her book. Marie Forleo, you know, and these are all colleagues and, and, and friends of mine. And whether you're listening, you're like, well, they're not friends of mine. They're human beings just like you. And trust me, I knew these, I knew them all when they started, (laughs) like I knew them all and they're all people just like me and you that wanted something more and had a bigger dream for their life and really care about making a difference in other people's lives and didn't go into it saying they weren't going to make money with it. And so I don't know how much money my book is going to make or when it is, but I'm putting very strong intention and I'm taking very strong action on doing everything that I know to do to, um, to, to 
turn mine into like the white and gold snowball. <laughs> like, um, so I'm not doing this with like, oh, you know, I'm glad I got the message out into the world. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And would you say a, a way to do that? And I mean, I'm constantly right. This is what my whole business is based on is that your book brings you business. Make your book aligned with your business. If you are an entrepreneur, because that is a, that is a more guaranteed way to bring in financial rewards than just book sales. I, you know, I'm open to all of it. I, you know, like my conversation with the universe is like, yes, let people who read my book, who feel aligned to be in my programs, purchase my programs. Um, I, but I specifically plan on making a lot of money with the book as well. Cause I have a firm belief that anything that we desire, if it's been done and it's humanly possible, and if it's that strong of a desire for us, it can absolutely happen. Like Jen and Gabby and Marie, like, it's not about comparison as much as it, it's like they are examples that you can make a lot of money on book sales and get other great opportunities as a result of having a book out in the world from media to Oprah to otherwise. So I am taking a stand for the and and saying, yes, thank you. And yes, please to it all. I love it. I love it. And, 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 you know, we have to get close to wrapping up, but in terms of it being a 20 year dream, um, why? Why did you want to write a book so badly? Well, that's interesting. So the book that I wanted, so Marianne Williamson was my mentor, um, still is a friend and a mentor. Um, But back in the day, I'm talking 90s. So I was obsessed with the story of Queen Esther of Persia. That doesn't matter in and of itself. But the point is I was just starting my career and I was just starting it based around that body of work. And that's what I thought I wanted to write my book on. And I went to Marianne and I said, what do I need to do to write a book? She said, go talk about it for 10 years. <laughs> and I was like, well, wasn't the advice I planned on, but um, okay. And I don't know if I talked about it for 10 years, but that was what, probably late 90s. By 2004, I left Michigan and moved to LA to quote unquote, write my book on Queen Esther. And I I got my little beach pad in Montecito. I was like super clear, like this is what it came here to do. And what I didn't know is that, so the, the, the story of Esther is very much the heroine's journey. And what I didn't know is that I would have to go through my own Esther experience to really be able to write about it with richness, depth, and substance. And that was 2004. Now we're talking about 2020. So I, um, I, it, it just became, what was the question? I actually forgot where we were going. What was your, why did you have the dream of writing the book? Oh, so th- this was my, so I, my first had a dream about writing about Queen Esther. And then by the time I became queen of my life, the book was a different book. And so my dream at the time that I wrote this book was to get the information that I have that people pay a lot in my programs for to get it out to the masses. So that was the reason why I wrote this book. And well, I think that's it on my probing you for Mm -hmm. answers. Is there anything I've neglected to ask you or advice you would give to anybody out there who is writing a book, who plans to launch a book, anything else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Think, think big. And really be your own number one best advocate all, all the way through from whether it's editorial decisions or, you know, the, the actual content of your book 
to the launch, to the marketing, to, to your earnings, is really think big. We, we live in a very big, abundant world with unlimited possibility. And, you know, if that message is inside of you, you know, I know the agony and ecstasy of writing now. Um, it is not for the faint of heart. I didn't, I didn't realize, well, there's so many books out there. Like, you know, I'm a speaker. I, you know, I write a lot as an entrepreneur. Like, I got this. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my career. And probably the, the if I had to pick one thing, the, the piece that I'm most proud of as well. So you're putting so much love, time, effort, life experience, dedication into this book, like really be there for yourself and, and be the book's number one advocate from beginning to end through launch. I love it. And if people want to find out, well, they can get the book apparently at the Walmart in Canada, which is probably <laughs> not the best place to go right at this moment. But what is the, they can go to your website and see lots yes. of links of where to, to get it. Yeah. Um, I can say if you go to divineliving.com forward slash book is where you can get the book. And if they want to find out more about you, they can go to that same website. They can follow you on Instagram. Where else are you? Yes, yes. And if you want to study and see what I'm doing with my free companion course and, you know, to model your own, you can go to divineliving.com forward slash audacity. That's D-I-V-I-N-E, divineliving.com forward slash audacity is the free companion course. Um, and then there's lots of uh, resources on my website at divineliving.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at Gina DeVee. And actually, I'm going to give you this, this last tip. You know, I followed a lot of people during their book launches on Instagram to see where they were speaking and what media they were doing and the different things. So if there's any way uh, what I'm doing right now can be an example, even if you're in the midst of writing your book and just like just screenshot and save my stuff. Let it be an example to you about the types of things you can be doing, um, where you can be getting the word out, what I'm doing, et cetera. So if for, I mean, if, if you're my ideal client and you like my content, great. But if you're just looking even just to study the business model of what I'm doing, uh, it may be very valuable to you. Fantastic, Gina. Adore you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, I adore you too. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week hear you next week. You'll hear me. Bye.